Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, it is February 8th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am here with Bob Ryer. Good evening. Stephanie Cook. Hello. We are a man short this week. Steve will not be joining us, but we are going to soldier on without him. So without Steve, there will be no off the beaten path. But this week, we will be talking about Before Watchmen. Um, a rather tumultuous topic uh, yeah. in the world of comic books. A big arg in, in, in sound effects here for yes, this one. Yes, absolutely. Um, we'll also be discussing a little bit of the Amazing Spider-Man trailer, a little bit of the Avengers trailer, and of course our books of the week. Um, but before that, so I've I've slipped back into the world of Skyrim, which is a video game, if okay. people don't know. Bob. (laughs) Why look at me when you say these video games? But you're right. Yeah. Um, It's an open world RPG game. Um, Basically, you could play for hundreds and hundreds of hours and never finish. Um, Hundreds and hundreds of hours and never even play the main story, really. Wow. Yes. It's pretty intense. I'm about 100 hours in. Are you really? Pardon? You're 100 hours in? How far? I'm 100 hours in, and I haven't even come close to beating the main story. Oh, wow. Um, So I took. I was. I was about engrossed in it for about I mean, two weeks, three weeks, played for about 25 hours, and then kind of just went on to other things, um, but I got back into it uh, three, three day, four days ago, and I played another 12 hours since then, and um, it's just, it's a time suck. It's, it's like that's <laughs> a black hole of gaming it is well like I started playing at 11 o'clock in the morning um, yesterday on Monday I looked up and it was 3.30 wow um, just yeah there goes your time and it's sort of like an addiction because you know you like lie to your loved ones about what you're doing you know oh, you like you skirt responsibility and it's like all I think about when I'm not playing it is playing it you know so it's it's a little intense in that way. Um, How do I defeat that elder dragon? The, the elder oh. dragon is a bitch. There are lots of dragons in the game, but there is like a higher level of dragons, and they can kill you in one shot. They eat you, or they hit you with their tail, and you're dead. Um, I'll tell you what, though. The one thing about the game is it's so big that there, there's so much code and so much programming and whatever that goes into it that there's a lot of glitches in the game, and I've experienced a couple of them on my, on my, my, my traversals through the world of Skyrim, <laughs> but... I was playing the main quest and there's a point where you have to try to get two warring factions to make peace so you can capture a dragon in one of their one of their castles because it was built for that um many many eons ago when there were dragons and dragons reach dragons reach <laughs> exactly so i go to this guy and i'm like hey man can i use your place for hold the dragon and he's like 
He's like, yo, man, there's a war going on. Um, if you really want this to happen, you got to get this war to stop for a little while. So I'm like, wow. okay. So I go to these guys, the Greybeards, who are kind of my my masters, and I tell them, hey, listen, everybody respects you. Can you hold a peace summit here? And they're like, well, we guess the winds of change even move the Greybeards. We shall help you. So <laughs> You do that well. Yeah, yeah. so okay. So then I go, I go to... I have to go to both places, which are the Imperials and the Stormcloaks. The Stormcloaks are the rebels. The Imperials are the Imperials. Um, I go to the Imperial leader, and I'm like, hey, man, do you mind stopping the war for a while? And he's like, oh, it's not, he's the general. And he's like, sure, you know what? We'll t- take care of this dragon stuff. We're, we're in a position of power right now. We can negotiate from our power. We can regroup with our forces, and we can come back strong. Okay, fine. Now I go to the Stormcloaks. Now, I'm a member of the Stormcloaks, and I started a quest with them, that I never finished because I was going to go back to it later. Oh, you should have finished that one. But because I started that quest already, I go to them and the guy won't talk to me. He yeah. goes, you should be at the cave helping Grummel <laughs> finish his problem. And I'm like, shit. Okay, so I will go finish this quest. Then I'll come back to you and be like, hey, man, um, now that we're done with our que- this quest, can we do the thing? So I go to the quest guy who's waiting outside this cave for me to help him. And he goes... I think Ulfric is being unreasonable. He shouldn't be helping the Imperials. So he won't talk to me. So neither guy will talk to me, so I can't finish either quest. Nice. So I'm stuck in there until Bethesda, the game coming that makes the game, patches it out and fixes it. So now I have to do all these other side quests. So it's a little bit disheartening. I know. But still, it's still going to take up hours and hours of my life. Talk to Jimmy Carter. Maybe he could put the two sides together. (laughs) I don't know if Jimmy Carter's going to be able to help me, Bob. He could in this case. Yeah, maybe. Um, so how many hours does it take to finish this? Is there sort of a guideline? No, because actually there's no end to it. If, if oh. it, They will keep producing random quests for you no matter how long you want to play it. The actual main story, I think, only takes like 10, 12 hours if you just play it straight through. Which is reasonable. That's yeah. video game length yeah. for a, a, a story. Um, but but it's harder though too because you're not as leveled up and yeah unless you do the side quest you don't get to the level which is easier oh, to beat us up okay yeah so it becomes a little bit of an issue um, but um, it's a great game and it's just I-, I can't believe how much time and all sort of personal hygiene goes out the window when you're <laughs> playing a game that game I mean would you agree Stephanie <laughs> oh yes I mean I spent Christmas playing it. No, I'm not playing Skyrim. Stop accusing me. What do you think I'm doing? Come on. I, I do important stuff. Yeah. No, I don't. I play Skyrim if we're friends all the with, time. If you're friends with you on Xbox Live, you know that's all you do. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. If only it clocked the hours like for my friends to see. <laughs> Stephanie has played 10 Ooh. zillion hours of Skyrim. She has no life. Yeah. Now, can you pair up online or is it solo? Solo. Completely solo. That's kind of the game's deal. You know, in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, it's a very single player experience. I feel like if other people were in the game, it would really fuck up your shit because it's okay. like it's so easy to mess with people in the game. Um, it would basically be World of Warcraft, though, if it it would okay. be it would online. Be. Yeah, um, but it's great. I mean, I'm having a, a ball with it, and I, I love every minute of playing it. Um, speaking of nothing to do with Skyrim and moving on to comic books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the Amazing Spider-Man trailer came out last night. Ooh. Well, two nights ago, midnight. Um, and it's the trailer, obviously, for the new Spider-Man movie with uh, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, Dennis Leary, 
um, Rice Iffens, directed by Mark Webb, who directed 500 Days of Summer. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first real look we've gotten at Spider-Man in action. The teaser was more just all mostly Peter Parker stuff. Mm-hmm. And Bob, as kind of our senior comic book analyst, I, I respect that, even though I am very senior and gray-haired. Yeah, um, and kind of knows more about Spider-Man than probably anybody at this, definitely in this podcast. What did you think of this trailer? I love this trailer. We are seeing Spider-Man the way Steve Ditko drew him. The pose of him coming downwards, legs in this sort of weird diamond shape. Mm -hmm. It's those perfect poses. We're seeing the lizard, Gwen Stacy. This is maybe what Spider-Man won. As much as I love Raimi's, this is maybe what it should have been. Right. Yeah. It is just pitch perfect. Flash Thompson. Hmm. We haven't seen JJ yet. No, we haven't. We have not. But Captain Stacy, I'm loving this. I think this is going to be great. And I had misgivings early on. Is it just we're doing this for money and rebooting because Columbia wants to keep the rights? Mm. No, this is done correctly. I'm juiced completely. Stephanie, what did you think of it? Um, I really dig the trailer. I, I love everyone that's in it. I was hesitant like most people when the project first got announced. Um, but I think it's really shaping up to be probably better than the Raimi Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think they're not going to really even be comparable. They're going to like, it's, it doesn't really feel like a reboot or a remake. It just feels like its yes. own Spider-Man story. Mm-hmm. Like it's just its own thing, completely mm-hmm. unaffiliated. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you absolutely. The the thing about me for the Raimi movies is I really like number one. I absolutely adore number two. Agreed. And I really don't like number three. Like, Disco yeah. Spider-Man coming yeah. down the street? Yeah. Like most people who have a right mind in their head. <laughs> um, so, but the one thing that all those movies have always lacked is I don't feel like any of them felt like Spider-Man. I don't feel like... I like Tobey Maguire and I like him as an actor and I think his performances in the Spider-Man movies are fine. I think they're good. But he's not Peter Parker Spider-Man to me. He's not a bad Peter Parker. It's yeah, the I, Spider-Man parts of it. I want yeah. funny quipping. Mm-hmm. He's sitting in the backseat of this car. Yeah, well that's that, that scene alone would have sold the movie for yes. me. Just that scene of him making fun of the, the, the burglar. suit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was great. Um, I think that also he looks more physically like Spider-Man does. Leaner. He's leaner, he's taller, he looks more like an acrobat to me. Um, I think that you can really tell that it's a lot of the times a guy in a suit and not an effect when he's swinging. Yes. You know, and I think that physicality, it's not always necessary. Um, Like Iron Man and the Avengers show we'll talk about later, when he's flying, he's obviously a CG effect. Mm -hmm. But that's because he's a metal object. This is a guy in a skin tight suit where his his anatomy is important to what he's doing. And the Spider-Man movies came out a little bit before we really took that next leap forward in human CGI. So that might also be part of it. Yeah, because sometimes Spider-Man jumping around some of those fight scenes with the, the guys who are mugging people, yeah. he's weightless. Yeah. It's a, oh, it's a cartoon. Yeah. But I love the way he moves, like when they take off his mask and he kind of beats them up yes. and flips over the car. I love that feeling. Um it's crazy to me that this is the under-the-radar superhero movie that's coming out in the summer. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's the one that people are kind of sleeping on, I think. And it's the one... It feels to me like First Class was last summer mm-hmm. to me. Where people were kind of like, okay, this movie's coming out, but we're focused on these other big movies that are coming out instead. Um, I love Andrew Garfield. I think he's a great actor, and I think it's a good choice for Peter Parker. 
you know, he's a little bit old to be playing the age of Peter Parker that they're describing here, but still, it doesn't matter. So is Emma Stone, so we'll just, they're equivalent, they're both right. in their mid-20s, let's go for it. Yeah, I think Garfield's a little bit older than Emma Stone, but yeah, yes, yes, yeah, they are both in their 20s. Um, but I think it looks great, and Spider-Man's my favorite superhero, and I'm really excited to see that wise-cracking Spider-Man, and I like that it feels to me also more like the Marvel movies that we've been seeing from Marvel. Yes. You know, it feels like there's a universe at play here that wasn't at play in the Raimi Spider-Mans. And that's because it just didn't exist yet for them in the Mm -hmm. movie universe. But in this, it feels to me like Peter is in a world where Oscorp is in the story, but Oscorp isn't the central aspect of the story. So that means that Harry Osborn is somewhere, means Norman Osborn is somewhere, but we're just not dealing with it yet. And I think that's a very cool way to Mm -hmm. go about it. And he also seems really deep. Yeah. There's a depth of, 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 you look at that face and he's experienced the loss and we get to see his parents. Yeah. Which is very important. Mm -hmm. Which is very different for a a mainstream Peter Parker story. We're going to get to see his parents, I'm hoping, somewhere down the road. Did you catch that, Stephanie? Yeah, I did. Um, I... The, they kind of had that sort of sepia flashback stuff yep. in the trailer. Yeah. I think it'll be really interesting. Yeah. Well, his parents, without being a uh, spoiler alert from 40 years ago, his parents in uh, it's the, the second or third Spider-Man annual have their own storyline that Spidey has to address to figure out some other problem with the Kingpin. And I'm not going to go too much further, but they've got a really deep, interesting backstory that... It could actually tie into the other movies from the other studios, and mm-hmm. I'll say nothing past that. I, I'd say that it, it feels more like, to me, in this trailer, more like a Spider-Man movie mm-hmm. than any of the Raimi movies felt like to me. And that's something to be said. Again, like I said, that he's making fun of the burglar in the car. That's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And I'm very and I, excited to see that. Sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, I think there was a press conference, I believe, in New York area for the Spider-Man just before the trailer got released. Okay. Um, and all this, uh, the stars came and talked about the trailer and they previewed some clips and stuff. And I think it's really interesting. Emma Stone was speaking about her character, who's Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. And um, she, I, I think it'll be an interesting romantic story, too, because we've been so familiar with um, Mary Jane. But uh, Emma Stone took this time to say, you know, Mary Jane fell in love with Spider-Man. Gwen Stacy falls in love with Peter Parker. That is perfect. That is absolutely and, spot on. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a really interesting take on it because like in the Raimi movies, it has almost like she has this sort of starstruck Spider-Man kind of love to her, but Gwen Stacy takes a really different approach to her romance with mm-hmm. Spider-Man or Peter Parker rather and I think that'll be a really interesting story as far as the romantic side of the film. Well, in the books, it was Gwen first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it took a while for that to happen. He had, he was still geeky, Peter mm. with the glasses, and he worked his way up to this hottest girl in the school kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it only was after Mary Jane got dropped off a bridge. Right. You know, Gwen rather got yeah, dropped yeah. off a bridge that we got to Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a rebound thing. Right. This is going to be really interesting. This is his first real love. Yeah. And I'd, I'd be interested to see, because it, it sets up either in the next movie, if it happens, or the third movie, if it happens, a very emotional end to that story, mm-hmm. which I think will be a really cool thing for a comic book movie to do. You know, not to take the easy way out. And I think that'll be a really cool thing, especially, yes. especially if they establish this character in a movie or two movies the way that it looks like they're going to do it. And Emma Stone is so damn charming 
and and fun yes. that I I don't think you'll have anything less but love for that character. You know, everyone will be sobbing in the theater. Yes, yes. <laughs> Stone, look at me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, speaking of things, I'm looking forward to. Uh, we got a minute long Avengers. Um, teaser during the Super Bowl. We got a 30 second teaser during the Super Bowl, yeah. but then on, the, on their Facebook page, they released a minute long Woof. Uh, teaser. Which I mean, I've been excited about the movie since they announced it, but this drove home more of that point to me. Mm-hmm. This showed action really for the first time, whereas the other trailer showed just more, much like the first Spider Man trailer, more the character down to earth stuff. And this kind of broke out a little bit and showed you some crazy action stuff. Um, Stephanie, what did you think uh, of that Avengers trailer? Um, I mean, it's go, go, go. I had to watch it a few times to actually really, you know, absorb it because there's just little flashes of all the characters and there's so very little Jeremy Renner. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you've already been introduced to almost everyone else. And I guess Hawkeye was in Thor, correct? Yeah, for like a couple seconds, a couple minutes. Yeah. But he's really the only one that hasn't had a presence like a heavy presence in another this movie so mm-hmm. i wanted more of him but i mean the whole trailer itself was epic mm-hmm. epic is the only word i can use to really describe it yeah. it looks kick-ass well you need an epic threat to, to meld these heroes into a team because mm-hmm. as one of them can take out everybody else it seems like yeah what do you need five six superheroes for yeah alien storm giant scroll invasions <laughs> right. spaceships in new york getting blown up mm-hmm. The line at the end, though, is mm-hmm. my favorite. Yeah. I have an army. We have a Hulk. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Thank you, Joss Whedon. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. Um, Joss Whedon, this is his second movie he's ever directed in his life. And it, it really, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. It's all the TV. Sure. Yeah, it's Firefly and this. are the only two <laughs> things. And, um, and, sorry, Serenity in this. Sorry, not Firefly. Yeah. Um, it looks dynamic. It looks interesting. It looks like it fits into that Marvel milieu as far as visual goes. And the other thing about it too is that we get... I'm so excited that Loki is the villain of this story because to me, next to maybe only the Joker in The Dark Knight, to me, I, I, Loki's maybe my favorite movie comic book villain mm-hmm. that I've seen so far. And I'm excited to see him be a little more I mean he said Hiddleston said he's a little more unleashed in this a little less reserved which I'm excited to see and you get a little bit of the Hulk beat, punching a plane which is yeah. awesome and all the Iron Man stuff looks great and you don't really you got a little bit of Thor jumping on top of that plane and a couple other things but kind of holds back a lot of the other bigger moments you know and so it's interesting to me but there's a there's a quick it's second and a half Captain America leaping over a car, putting one hand down, mm-hmm. body sideways. That's a cap moment right from the books. Right. He has definitely done his research. Mm-hmm. This has been put into place. Everyone's going to get a moment. The camaraderie is going to be there. Mm-hmm. The scene of them in a circle. Yeah, yeah. That's great stuff. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty- I really, I mean, I mean, I think Joss Whedon to me, I, I, I mean, I don't really know too much about him outside of his work, but he seems to me like, the Avengers and comics in general would be something that he would be a fan of. So yeah. as a fan, I would hope that he would be able to do justice to it. So Yeah. I mean, he did a great run on the Astonishing X-Men uh, a couple of years ago. Um, almost 10 years ago now, probably. Oof. But he, he, it was a great run. And mismatched team is what he does best. That's what he does in all of his stuff. Yeah. So it's almost perfect for him. Um, 
And look, and Loki is the original protagonist why the Avengers come together mm-hmm. all the way back in 62. Right. It's he wants the Hulk to beat the snot out of Thor. Mm-hmm. Here we go. I, I think it's going to show up here. Right. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, I think it's going to be interesting, too, that Ed Norton got cut out of the Avengers and they've thrown in Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Not a bad choice. Well, my understanding is um, it's a little inside because I know the guy who wrote the novelization Hmm. for the Hulk movie. Uh, One of my customers is Peter David. And the stuff that Edward Norton wanted to do were all actor-driven monologue dialogue things that that took away from the action of the hulk movie and they tried to edit it back in Mm -hmm. so it's sort of he didn't play well with others right as good as it was going to be it didn't fit the movie Mm -hmm. and they didn't want to have that now when they wanted a team right yeah and sort of disinvited him to the party right which is too bad because he was very very good he was very good but mark ruffalo is a very good actor yeah so i'm not really worried about that at all um and just before we get to our book of the week, this kind of leads into my book of the week. Uh, this is on the site right now at TalkingComicBooks.com, but we've all watched The Death and Return of Superman by oh, Max Landis. It's great. Oh my God, yes. Um, and it's great. It, it, it's, it's hilarious. If you haven't watched it, it's on our site. It's also on YouTube. Um, it's basically his rant about The Death and Return of Superman in 1992, and it's a must-watch. It's 14 oh. minutes long, so it sounds like it's long, but no. it is worth every minute of it. It really, really is, and he even gets that moment in there to pimp Chronicle. He does, yeah. 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 <laughs> now, I but, will uh, say you shouldn't be drinking something watching because you'll do a spit take. Yeah. There's some laugh-out-loud funny stuff here. It's pretty, And yeah. the people who star in it, like the guest stars, are just freaking awesome. Yes. Yeah. Mandy Moore's in it. Elijah Wood is in it. It's Ron Howard. Ron Howard, yeah. yeah. It's it, Simon Pegg is in it. Um, Where was he? I he missed was, him. He was John and Landis. Was that him? He on played the, his father. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. His father, yeah. Yeah, his father, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, Max and, Landis, his father is very famous. His Ma- yeah. Max Landis' father is John Landis, who directed Animal House and American Werewolf, American Werewolf yeah. in, in London. Blues Brothers, right. Yeah, yeah, Blues Brothers. Um, but, yeah. And then I just wanted to take a moment because we skipped over this, but there was actually a couple comments from our Twitter about the Amazing Spider-Man trailer. Oh, oh yeah. Bring it on. Just like two little things that I thought were kind of funny. Um, somebody, so Joseph Fernandez in regards to the trailer, he wanted us to know that the lizard looks like a Goomba from the Super Mario movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then one other person uh, just wanted to say, Scott Stamper, he said at, that he was impressed with the trailer. It was good. And he loved seeing Spidey get snarky with criminals. And yes. he thought that Leary's scene killed the momentum a bit. But, I mean, I think Leary will be a great addition to the movie. So, yeah, hey, we'll see. Me too. I mean, I respectfully disagree with his opinion. I think Leary has turned himself into a very good actor in the, in the last yeah. couple of years. So, um, but And, and you, what's going to happen if it, he's Captain Stacy? Yeah, yeah, yes. He's got big moments coming. Mm-hmm. But he needs you need to like him, and so if he needs to be a little snarky himself and a little right quirky, it's going to work out fine. He discovers some stuff about Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. All I'm going to say. All right. Um, so you know, in Death of Eternal Superman, we were just talking about they deal with um, the fact that Superman is kind of that that instance of what kind of killed death in comics. Mm-hmm. That it, after that, characters just started coming back, and that's kind of leads right into our book of the week segment and into my book of the week. Because my book of the week is The Winter Soldier, number one, written by Ed Brubaker. Great choice. um, Which is obviously about James Bucky Barnes, who is 
you know, the old comic book saying that was no one's dead in comics except for Uncle Ben, Bucky, and Jason Todd. <laughs> and the only one who's not alive right now is Uncle Ben. So <laughs> um, Ed Brubaker brought him back in 2005, I believe was, was the year that he brought him back mm-hmm. in the Winter Soldier arc. And to pretty much universal acclaim, uh, so he dodged a bullet there, even brought him back as a, as a villain and still managed to pull it off in whatever way. Um, now he's not obviously not a villain anymore. Now he's an unbrainwashed um, <laughs> super soldier. Um, but he's, it's, the book is basically his, um, his adventures, his clandestine adventures with uh, Black Widow as they go along um, trying to solve kind of something that's very related to Bucky's past in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's, a, it's a Cold War mystery. A Cold War mystery that's very related to Bucky's past. And I don't want to speak to the exact plot because if you haven't read it yet, you should read it because it's excellent. And um, the art is very interesting because it is at times very simple. Like it's almost just like lines. And But then it will become this almost hyper detailed look, like especially in the emotional scenes when it's about their yes. faces. It, and it really hammers it home. You know, it really brings it in, which I really liked. Um, the writing, it's Ed Brubaker. It's across the board kind of fantastic um it has a great tone it has a feeling of this there's a claustrophobic cold feeling to it that just it drew me in at every moment um bob i know you love edward baker i know you yeah. love captain america i know you love bucky yeah. so before we get to you sure i want to ask stephanie did you get a chance to read it i did i read it just before we started talking and mm-hmm. i loved it um the art was the first thing that really stood out to me and um the next thing that really stood out was um, the banter between Black Widow and uh, the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, like when they're about halfway through and uh, she's going first one to get spotted or first one to get seen uh, <laughs> buys breakfast. Mm-hmm. It, I, yeah. It's a good rat yeah. tat between the two of them. It's, it's a lot of fun. And what else? The last couple of pages, I won't spoil it for anyone, but it's just like, what? I want to read more, more. But, Anyways, yeah, that's my, you know, that random was great. thoughts. I felt it. I felt your emotions right there. Thank you. You're welcome, Bob. But what about you? It is deep and emotional, interpersonally between those two characters. We have big action sequences. The return of a Silver Age villain out of nowhere, mm-hmm. uh, including his pet gorilla. <laughs> Stephanie, I know you have. Who the hell is that? Oh no 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 no! Okay. I, I I I got who it was. I just spoke. okay. I know I texted Bobby halfway, and I just put gorilla in gorilla, capital yeah, letters. Well, but well, FF thirteen, we go back a long way here. Uh, I I want this to be. Is this a mini or is this continuing? It doesn't. There's no of yes. number on it, so I think it's continuing. Because I want to see more and more of this, just the way it's written. Yeah. I guess it depends on how it sells. Yeah. It's, it's Brubaker. It's going to sell very well. Mm-hmm. Because this, that he managed to resurrect Bucky, who, again, as you were saying, Bobby, was the deadest of dead characters, find a way to tell a new resurrection story that makes sense, that he mm-hmm. can be brought back for a weekend in whatever decade you need him put back to sleep and that's what we're addressing here mm-hmm. without giving too much away people you got to pick this book up absolutely it's great yeah. uh, it just if the moment it started I, I had that feeling you know and I, I think what great fiction always does is it makes itself feel important 
You know, even yes. though it's about trivial things, obviously, because it's just a piece of fiction, but it makes itself feel important. And when I was reading it, it felt important to me. Mm-hmm. And that's my the biggest compliment I can give to it. Um, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, And it's in the large moments and the small, and which it, is the key to his writing, whether it's been on cap yeah. or anything else. It's been just spot on. And if you're worried about jumping into it and not having one Captain America, he does a very good job of telling you who Bucky is. Yes. They do a very interesting thing with like the, the news reports that tells you all about Bucky's history. Um, you can definitely pick it up and read it and enjoy it. And I think it's a must read for, for everybody. Um, As a sidebar, I don't know Captain America comics and I was able to follow it very easily and mm-hmm. enjoy it. So just adding on to that, it's definitely very easy to love. Awesome. Um, Stephanie, what was your book of the week? My book of the week was The Sword Number One by the Luna Brothers. Um, we discussed the Luna Brothers or one of the Luna Brothers a couple of weeks ago with uh, the new book Whispers. Okay. So I was kind of hoping Steve would be here to be like, yeah, I want to read this. But <laughs> well, we he's do not too. Here, so go ahead. So he'll just have to listen. Um, so basically, this is the story of a woman named Dara Brighton a promising young art student who uh, is a paraplegic and it's sort of hinted that she hasn't always been disabled, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, a chain of events are set off um, where basically her family gets killed and she finds this magical, mysterious sword um, that allows her to walk again and she doesn't know what the hell's going on. Sure. Um, Like, as soon as she drops the sword, though, she's back to being a paraplegic. Okay. Um, wow. Interesting. It's really interesting art. Um, I mean, Bobby, I think you read Whispers, correct? I did, yes. Um, so it's that same sort of art style where it's almost sort of realistic-ish in the background. Do you, do you know what I'm Yeah, I know what say? you're saying. Yeah, 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 yes. Um, it, and it kind of almost plays out, like, as you're reading it, it's almost more like you're watching a movie as opposed to reading a comic. Um, I like that. They do a really, really good job of setting the pace for the story. And it just, um, like, again, the sword heals her. And in this process of getting healed, she and her family getting killed, she gets all these cuts and bruises. And she picks up Mm. the sword. And there's a whole panel of her healing. And it, like, it almost is animated. It's just mm. so incredibly well done. And um, it was my favorite book of the week. And I do have the entire collection, and now I'm going to fly through it. How many issues um, are we in? Sounds very deep. It's actually finished. So mm. that's okay. the great thing about this series is it's done, and you can pick it up and read all of it. Collected um, or individual issues at this point? It's collected. Well, there's Excellent. four issues. Um, they're named after the elements. So volume one is fire. I'm only reviewing, this is just number one of volume one. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the other additions are obviously water, air, stuff. Right. Stuff. No, no heart, though. Stuff. No, <laughs> no heart. Um, but it's, I mean, it leaves, I recommend picking up the entire volume one as opposed to going back and trying to find individual comics because you like the first one is left on a really big cliffhanger and you're just like what (laughs) gotta read more gotta get back into it (laughs) and uh it's incredibly awesome and it's they both it both builds a lot of character and 
leaves a lot of mystery to the characters at the same time. Mm. Uh, and by the end of number one, you will be asking yourself, what the fuck is going on with Dara's father? <laughs> yes. That's Who is dead, writing. but you'll still be curious. Mm -hmm. No, if you want to keep picking it up, that shows that somebody's doing their job correctly. It's fantastic. I, I can't wait to get back into it. I would have went through the whole first volume if I'd had some more time on my hands, but mm -hmm. alas, Skyrim took over my life again. <laughs> That's Thanks, Bobby. That'll happen. Don't blame me. <laughs> I just mentioned you talked it. about I, it. I mentioned, you mentioned I was playing it. it, and you were like, "Oh God, I got to unpack it now and play it." That's not my fault. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, enabler. Yeah, I'm an enabler. There's also like four people on Twitter who tweeted at you to start playing it again. I know it's true. It wasn't just you. It's true. It wasn't just me. I can't have all the blame. All right, I know. you could though, but I could. It's true. Um, so, Bob, you're gonna go last year, and your okay. book kind of ties into our topic actually yeah. so why don't you go ahead obviously there's not a book that came out this week much like stephanie's book but yeah uh, mine's way back our, our topic is going to end up being i can mention yeah before, it's, it's the new it's before watchmen mm -hmm. now something else that came out before watchmen uh to preface it uh, in an issue of avengers issues 69 and 70 roy thomas created sort of an ersatz justice league for the avengers to fight the squadron sinister okay and it's Hyperion instead of Superman and uh, Power Princes instead of Wonder Woman, so on and so forth. Uh, Nighthawk instead of Batman. It was brought into real comic history by a guy named Mark Runwald, who worked for Marvel, continuity geek supreme, as the Squadron Supreme, as a 12-issue miniseries where these characters who are their Justice League on their Earth decide that instead of letting supervillains and bad things happen, they're going to be proactive and create utopia on the earth mm -hmm. and change the way everything happens. There's a disagreement. I don't want to give too much away here mm -hmm. between two of the main characters. One decides, no, it's not our right to change things. Humanity has to deal with who they are. We're not gods. Mm -hmm. And we go through 12 issues of really amazing stuff. It came out a year before Watchmen and covers a lot of the same ground. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's collected as a trade paperback, which I was telling Bobby the story off air. Mark Runwell died in his early 40s, had a heart attack. His wishes were that his cremated ashes should be dumped into the ink that are printed in this first <laughs> printing of the graphic novel. So when you pick up, if you get a first printing of Squadron Supreme, you actually hold Mark Runwell in your hands. That's crazy. As you read this, it is just an amazing piece of work. Very retro and new at the same time in a, in a special way. Only real comic nuts like I am and those who grew up then know this came before. Watchmen is great. Mm -hmm. There's no question. Mm -hmm. But the ground was tread before. Okay. People get a chance to pick up Squadron Supreme. Interesting. So it's worthwhile read. It's not, Absolutely. It just came before. It's also a very worthwhile read. Yes. All right. Um, so, I mean, we're going to get into talking about Watchmen. It's tough to talk about this without... Right, we're, we're, we're going to move through, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Before Watchmen in our topic, um, but before we get to that, just Squadron Supreme is Bob's Book of the Week, mm -hmm. mine was Winter Soldier, and Stephanie's was Sword. The Sword? Yes, The Sword. The Sword, by the Lunar Brothers. All right, so um, those are our books of the week. We're going to move on to our topic of the week, which is Before Watchmen, right after this. Rorschach's Journal, October 12th, 1985. Dog carcass in alley this morning. Tire tread on burst stomach. This city's afraid of me. I've seen its true face. 
the streets are extended gutters, and the gutters are full of blood. And when the drains finally scab over, all the vermin will drown. The accumulated filth of all their sex and murder will foam up around their waists. And all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, Save us. And I'll whisper, No. All right, we are back, and we're here to talk about Before Watchmen, the prequel series DC has announced mm. to take place before Watchmen, <laughs> um, which is obviously Alan Moore, ridiculously lauded graphic novel mm-hmm. um, Watchmen that he wrote with Dave Dave Gibbons illustrated um, long time ago now. 25 years? 25 years ago now. Um it's, you know, one of Time Magazine's best books of the 20th century. Books. Not, books. Yeah. Not comic books, books. Um, very lauded. Um, so we got this announcement, and I guess we should go over the details of the announcement before we kind of break into it a little bit here. So it's going to be, um, I mean, let me get the article up on TalkingComicBooks.com, um, a series of... Was it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven? Seven. Seven, seven, seven series um, dealing with Rorschach, The Minutemen, Comedian, Dr. Manhattan, Night Owl, Ozymandias, and The Silk Spectre. And each one will have a backup in it, right? With the Crimson Corsair, mm-hmm. which... The, the pirate story. The pirate yeah. story with the, the Curse of the Black Freighter. Yes. Yeah. And so I'll go with the teams really quick, too, before we go mm-hmm. on. Um, Rorschach and The Comedian are written by Brian Azzarello, who is writing Wonder Woman right now um, for DC. And the artist on Rorschach is Lee Bromeo, who uh, just did Batman Noel. And the artist on The Comedian is J.G. Jones, who I don't know. So Did a lot of work for Marvel. Very photorealistic, sort of painted look sort of thing. Okay. Um, we have Minutemen and The Silk Spectre, which are both written by Darwin Cook. Um, which, Bob, I'm sure you're excited about that. Yes, very much so. Um, and because John Cook did uh, Just Like New Frontier, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Doctor, then we have Dr. Manhattan and Night Owl, which are both written by J. Michael Straczynski. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Bob's not excited no, about that. Not we'll get excited into it. about that one. We'll get into it. Um, and Ozymandias, written by Len Wein mm-hmm. and artist Jay Lee. So, and and, sorry, go ahead, Dr. Stephanie. Dr. Manhattan is, the artist is going to be Adam Hughes. Adam Hughes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. There Who's mostly That's known for a cover artist that, at this point. Okay. He's been doing covers for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Well, all the I, I have to say this. Before we even get into the discussion about what's going to be in the books, mm-hmm. all the covers are very impressive. I, I think except, yeah. like, I don't love the comedian cover. It looks a little bit weird to me. But everything else I really like. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like The comedian one's kind of... Uh, like, I don't know. It's he looks like, like a gimp. Something. <laughs> it looks like... um. A cover yeah, for yeah. the American Horror Story DVD. It does yeah. like a cover for American Horror Story. Pulp Fiction, the comic book. Yeah, I love the Minutemen cover. I think that's awesome. Um, and I think the Silk Spectre cover is really cool as well. Um, here, Bob, look at look, 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 look. Oh, oh, They're sideways. Yeah, it's okay. The Rorschach one's really cool, too. Yes, the Rorschach one is cool. I mean, it's just his face, so it's a little bit hard to dissect okay. that one in any okay. sort of way. But um, so, Well, the face within the face. You're t- it's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now I've read Watchmen. Bob, you've read Watchmen. Read Watchmen. Stephanie, have you read Watchmen? I have. Okay, so we've all read Watchmen. We've all seen the movie, I'm assuming? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So we all have an opinion, a formed opinion about what Watchmen is. Now, we're heading, this is, like you said, one of, the, one of those lauded, if not the most lauded 
comic book creation ever at, at this point. Um, Bob, what do you think about a prequel happening to Watchmen? Uh, I'm of mixed mind, and, okay. I'll, and I'll say why. When in, in the comic book world, Roy Thomas, who became a fan of the Justice Society, and he grew up in the Golden Age, went to work for Marvel, eventually created The Invaders, which is a prequel story for Captain America, the Human Torch, Submariner, during World War II and their adventures that no one had told. Went over to DC eventually and did backstories for the Justice Society called the All-Star Squadron. But those stories were wonderfully told new stories of nothing that ever happened before. Mm -hmm. And they were by just uh, anonymous creators from 50 years previously. Mm -hmm. This is a completely founded universe by Alan Moore, who's a great writer. Mm Mm-hmm. And the backstory is basically in his own book. The Minutemen story that we're telling the 40s characters is there in what he was doing. Right. So I do want to see these stories. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see Alan Moore tell them. And apparently he offered them in 1995 uh, prequel stories to his original book. Okay. And they sort of turned him down. Mm -hmm. Oh, I actually, I've heard other things about that, actually. Go for it, Steph. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski actually wrote up on his Facebook the whole, like, in response to the whole debacle. Because if you haven't been following the comic book world news lately, this is like a big freaking deal. Yeah. Yes. And um, following all of the blow up, I guess, from it, he wrote like this massive post on his Facebook about why Alan Moore is not taking over this series and why Alan Moore has absolutely zero right to bitch about it. Um, I won't get into it, but no, go please go. Oh no 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 no! Like it's it's a long thing, and I think it okay. should be read. It should be read by like it's just hard to explain, I guess, mm-hmm. without just sort of fully reading it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to mix around his words, you know. Un in well, right. anyways. But from what I understood, there, Alan Moore just wanted nothing to do with it because he thought it should be standalone. That's it, and he'd been offered like the world to do. Um, prequels or any anything else with the Watchmen and he vehemently said no and I want nothing more to do with this like just fucking leave me alone kind of thing so if you have time sit down and read it but I mean sorry that's okay I would say that that Mr. Straczynski has a vested interest since he's now (laughs) writing some of these books apparently in 2010 DC made an offer to Alan Moore that Okay, we'll give you the rights back to your characters, provided you sign off on these prequels that you're not doing. And he told them to get bent. Gotcha. I'm not accepting it on those terms. Either I get my, my guys back or I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do these stories. I gave you a chance years ago and you didn't want to do them. He actually wrote about that as well. He addressed that in his letter too. Okay, so all J. this Michael is addressed in John Michael's, J. Michael Straczynski's... Yeah. Uh, the letter, it's on his Facebook? Sorry. It's on his mm-hmm. Facebook, you said? Yes, I believe it's on Facebook, yeah. Okay. okay. Or you can like, yeah. I'm sure if you Google. I'll, I'm going to post it up on the site. Um, Excellent. At, Good one. At this point, but it is uh, around and I will post it up on Talking Comics for everyone to have a look at because... I really think it gives, an, he does a really good job in my opinion. I don't know both sides, but he does a fair job of s- explaining from a semi-biased but unbiased perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, I'll post it up on the site for everyone to yeah. take a look at. Looking forward uh, to see reference. that. Stephanie, I mean, what do you think personally? Are you excited to read these having read Watchmen? I mean, what's your opinion? Um, I, I was of the mind that it is something that should be left alone. But at the same time, I mean, I don't have a right to say that they're they don't have a place in the comic book world because they're not out. I don't know if they do justice to the seer or like the book. And I mean, they didn't just put teams together willy nilly. Like it looks like they put a lot of effort into choosing people to work on these prequels. And until they come out, I really don't think I have a place to say whether, you know, they should be here or not. So I'm, I'm going to read them. I'm going to check them out mm-hmm. and reserve judgment at that point in time. But until then, I'm sort of, I guess, semi-neutral on the subject. I'd say I'm semi-negative, but I still want to read the things. Yeah, here's, mm-hmm. here's my thing about it. It's, it's simply this. It's that, okay, this, yes, these are going to be books that are based before Watchmen. They're based... In, off of a book that is blindingly genius. It's genius. He's a genius. Mm-hmm. Will these books be genius? Probably not. They, But no. do they have a chance to be very high quality comic book work? Yes, they do. These are not scrub creators they've hired to write these books. M- most of them are very respected comic book writers and artists. And Brian Azzarello is a very well-regarded younger comic book writer. Um, now, do I understand people's anger at this i understand it to an extent but it to me it's it's just another extent of fanboy rage that doesn't really i don't really understand if you don't want these things to be part of your watchman experience don't buy them and don't read them and Mm -hmm. if you're going to buy them and read them and you're going to be angry about it you're part of the problem you're the reason why these things get made because they know as much as you bitch and complain you're still going to buy them so why did what do they care also, to be surprised that the comic book industry is taking something created by somebody else and continuing it past its the point of that person's involvement seems a little bit ridiculous to me, since that's what the entire comic book industry is based on. You know, yeah, at, exactly. at one time or another, you know, Spider-Man and, and Fantastic Four were intrinsically linked to one person. They haven't been written by that person in 50 years, 40 years. 40 years. 40 years. Yep. You know, and it's not like, you know, Frank Miller wrote The Dark Knight Returns and they stopped writing Batman after that. You you know what I you know what I mean? And so do these would be my first option, my first wish to have Watchmen continued? Not really. But because of the creative teams, because the fact that I honestly love that book and this is not like this is if this was a sequel to those books then I would have a real problem with it. Because then you're negating stuff that happened and you're changing events. Yes. These books are not doing that. I'm especially excited about the Darwin Cook Minutemen book because, I mean, if you've if you've seen anything... New Frontier. No, New Frontier. So amazing. I haven't, I haven't read the book, but I've seen the movie and I love his that take on the, the past Justice League, that era Justice League, mm-hmm. which is a similar era to this Minutemen situation. Yep. So I'm excited to read that. I will always take more Rorschach anytime I can get him. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm coming from with it. Um, I mean, so now I, uh, on, the, on these books, Ozymandias, 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 yeah. 
uh, Len Wein, who worked for Marvel and DC in Bronze Age, mm -hmm. is going to be able to, uh, uh, based on you know the, the original series, that's your driving character. Yeah, he's yeah, what yeah. causes it all to go badly askew. Wein will be able to find a way to put this story into the right place. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking. Right. Mm -hmm. um, the my real problem with it is why I'm semi-negative is just that this was meant to be a standalone story mm -hmm. that covered 40 years of history. Right. And now we're going to try to intertwine other things into it. It's mm -hmm. sort of as if you were writing the prequel to Wuthering Heights. Do I really <laughs> need to see that? His is a gr Moore's is a great work of literature. Yeah, absolutely. And taken from the ashes of the Charlton characters and what, uh, mm -hmm. what he came up with, I'm I'm gonna buy it, and and I'm one of those people as we all are here. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued to see what's gonna happen. I'm prepared to be angry, right? And sometimes pleased. Mm -hmm. are, are we the the target audience for this, or is it the people who saw the movie who didn't read the book here? What's the? I think we're the target audience for okay. this. I mean, I think that they have a bigger audience now because of the movie, and, be, and not necessarily because even because of the movie, because of the hype that surrounded the movie before it came yes, out. Yes, exactly. Because the sales of Watchmen, the the graphic novel, soared when that movie, mm -hmm. even before the movie came out. Um, I I think what most people are reacting to is the fact that it's an odd thing in the comic book world because. Watchmen is intrinsically tied to Alan Moore as a creator. It's not tied to a company. You know, it's yes. not... Watchmen is a DC book, but do you think of it as a DC book? Not really. You think of it as an Alan Moore book. So I think that's a lot of the issue that people are having because you're taking it away from the person who who is the only person who's ever written on it. You know, and I think that it's... A similar reaction, to be honest, I mean, a little bit, maybe a little bit more extent or lesser extent to the Star Trek reboot of a couple of years ago, because now these people, mm -hmm. there's plenty of Star Trek, right? But no one's ever played James T. Kirk except for William Shatner. And all of a sudden you have somebody else playing these these characters. Well, beyond that, it's it's the, the creator. Right. It was Roddenberry. And yeah. even through the other six movies, it's still Gene Roddenberry Star Trek. Right. Where the the Abrams verse, mm -hmm. New Trek, as yeah. some people call it, yes. is not the Roddenberry universe. Right, yeah. It's more the George Lucas version of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. um, because it is more, and to me, because he's already passed on this twice, mm -hmm. and that DC had a fractured relationship with him for years and years and years, the fact that they were willing to attempt this says they have something in mind that's really good. Mm-hmm. And yet, if he wants to pass, this is what tears me. I, Stephanie, where where are you on this one? Um, I mean, I, you know, like it's just. I mean, I don't even know how to form into words. I think we're all in that sort this. of place. Um, let me just see. So Len Wein was involved with the original Watchmen, correct? Maybe, Maybe as an editor at DC at the point, but he was doing uh, Titans then. So he may have been the executive producer, so to speak. Um, I think, I mean, I don't think DC is going into this lightly. I don't think that they would do this unless they were fairly certain that what they were putting out was comparable-ish quality. Mm -hmm. Well, they made a corporate statement to that point that they wouldn't proceed unless they had creative teams in place that could hew to his vision at least. Mm -hmm. Um, let me see. I'm trying to find, there was a 
quote somewhere about it. Live show, not good. It's okay. I'll I'll, yeah. you, I'll, I'll, no, I'll talk. Um, you, 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 do you want a second to find it, and I'll talk a little bit? Um. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Um. Sorry. I have this this opinion too, as in, like I said, to you if you don't want to read it, don't buy it. I'm never going to criticize a company for making something that you could enjoy. You know, it it it's it's you don't have to you're not forced to buy these things you're not forced to spend your money so the fact that they're providing content i don't think is a is a crime mm-hmm. um i i will say that i mean i the dc is a money-making enterprise and it is their job to put out try to put out quality work but as a company their first job is to make money right and i'm going to use the word exploit and not in a bad way right they need to exploit their properties Exactly, and if you have this property sitting on the shelf that this, that's this ridiculously now popular property and known quantity, and you're not taking advantage of it, I can't imagine the shareholders are very happy about yes. that kind of thing. Well, I mean, and as far as DC Comics go, it's probably ought to be one of the most popular, but sort of untapped sources of uh, money for them. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've sort of found, I, I opened up the J. Michael Straczynski letter, and he discusses the roundtable where they discussed making the, the before Watchmen. And uh, he goes into talking about how there was like no money talks involved, no talks of deals. It was just everybody talking about the comic, and they were talking about what they could talk about and discuss and he said no detail was too small to delve into what happened to this character who died or disappeared why did this character dissolve into madness and alcohol um they talked about who the hell was the twilight the twilight lady um and mm. he just talks about how much untapped how much hasn't been talked about between in blah, 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 blah. I, sure. I, I keep saying talk about a lot, but there's a lot that, that hasn't really been discussed mm-hmm. that wouldn't necessarily infringe on the world of Watchmen as we know it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a very thoughtful discussion that they're so. going to try very hard not to devalue what can't, what comes after in, in this sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel a little better now. Um, and the other thing too is that for everybody sticking up for Alan Moore in this situation, Alan Moore isn't Vincent Van Gogh. He didn't. He didn't get his his work stolen by DC that they then put into a graphic novel and put it out. Alan Moore got paid by DC Comics to create The Watchmen. You know, mm-hmm. he knew what he was doing at the time he was doing it. He can he can be as artistic and recluse and cranky as he wants about everything that happens to his properties. But when you write, get paid to write something and create characters under the guise of another company, that company owns the characters you create. That's the way it goes. It's it's work for hire. The example I always use is this, Mm -hmm. is Lee Iacocca worked for Ford Motor Company Mm -hmm. and created the Ford Mustang. Mm -hmm. When he went to Chrysler, he couldn't take the Mustang with him. Exactly, It stayed behind. Um, Stephanie, you were going to say something? Yeah, I mean, Alan Moore, I mean, he's kind of being a bit of a hypocrite with this, that he's being so, they're touching my watchman, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. He wrote Lost Girls, and that ta- that's like a pornographic Alice in Some Wonderland, Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Dorothy and, you know, Wendy and Peter Pan stuff. And he borrows all these characters in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen as well. Yeah. And 
I mean, for him to say that he's allowed to touch other people's characters, but other people aren't allowed to touch his characters is a bit childish to me. Well, uh, yeah, though on the legal front, those are all public domain characters. He can True. do what he wants with, but they are still iconic. Yeah. And then they're not his to play with willy-nilly. I mean, even him creating Watchmen... His original intent was to use already created characters yes, from another Cap- company. Captain Adam and the question yeah. and all the rest of them from Charlton, sure. That that the DC had purchased. So it's not like he was his even original intention was to create new characters. The fact that he did is probably one of the reasons the book is so genius. You know? Um another thing too is Elmore has written Batman. He's written Swamp Thing. It's not like he, he created all his characters from the ether. You know, and mm-hmm. Elmore is a brilliant writer, and there's no question about that. I've always had a problem with his the sort of stick up the ass he's always had, you know. And I'm sure that people might disagree with me on that, but it it's just he's had a problem with all the movies that have been made out of his work, taking his name off of every single one, even the good ones, you know. And it's just I, I don't quite understand that thing that he's got going on, and I think a lot of it's public persona. I don't know how much he's like that in his real life, and he probably gets very much magnified by by all of this but i mean i want to read these books and i'm not even of the mind of being like oh hey i'm i'm angry about it but i'll read them i just want to read them you know and i've seen comic books plenty of other stories enumerated past the point of their original creators Mm -hmm. and so i don't see this as any different it's just if you don't want it to sully your watchman experience then don't don't, don't read, read them. You know, that's, or that's read it and again. don't pay attention. Yeah. It's it's an alternate universe. Yeah. It, it's rare that one person, Will Eisner did the spirit. He's the only person basically ever did the spirit. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everyone's had hands in. Right. Some better than others. Um, again, as I said with Roy Thomas, who decided to tell stories in between mm-hmm. the continuity, it can be done artfully. It really can. You mm-hmm. can deepen the original book. Right. By giving characters who didn't really have backstories a different grounding. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. This could flop. This could be, uh, th- remember there was Marvels, then there was Kingdom Come mm-hmm. that Mark Wade and Alec Ross did. Yeah. And then there was, you know, the, the after Kingdom that mm-hmm. really, really was terrible. Right. It's just called The Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I'm fearing that. Okay. But I'd rather be hopeful that this can be right. This is a great list of creators. Mm-hmm. Let's take a shot. Let, let's read the things first before we go crazy. Yeah, yeah. But um, Stephanie, we had some reaction from our our listeners. Yes, we had. Um, we asked our Twitter followers, our Facebook followers, um, everyone. We just asked for what their opinions on this was, and um, not surprisingly, we got a lot of responses. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a few of them. Um, so Timothy Burke, he said, "It's just not a good idea. Even with the names attached, Watchmen is a classic." They should leave it be, which seems to be the general sort of consensus on the subject. Um, Brody Flowers, she was a little more fierce about her hate for it. Um, (laughs) Currently and forever more boycotting DC Comics for their blatant perversion of Watchmen by releasing prequels. Can I just say one thing before we move on? Because this is one of the things that that, that has to bug up my ass about the whole internet. (laughs) Because they make before Watchmen... They're not going to go and take your copy of Watchmen, burn it, burn every copy of Watchmen that exists, and take your memory away of what mm-hmm. happened. What your experience still happened. Stop being so insecure about your fandom. Like, w- your experiences happened. You have your experiences. No one can take them away from you. 
Right. When yeah. they did the clone you know? Spider-Man saga, mm-hmm. I stopped buying Spider-Man right. that didn't devalue Ditko's and Ramita's right. and Stan Spider-Man. I still have those and read those and right. enjoy them. What they did after, who cares? Vote with your wallet and vote yep. with your mind, but don't think that this is somehow an offense to you as a person. It, that's not what it's about. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, Um, now we're ranting, but let's go. I will rant all day about that kind of stuff. Sorry. Oh boy. (laughs) Um. So Brendan Fry, he said, "I'm very much against before Watchmen since the story is complete. Why milk it for more?" Mm -hmm. Um. Lawrence Davis said, "I think I'm going to pass on before Watchmen," and he went on to say that he may, however, check them out in trades later on. So still gonna give them their money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I could understand that though. Waiting to see about the hype, how the stories actually are, and then picking them up sort of once, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, mm-hmm. a formed opinion out there about them. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't um, we form our own opinions? Would be yeah. the comment from this side of the editorial <laughs> yeah, desk. I know, but I could understand that side of it. I mean, as a poor person, I <laughs> don't want to spend my money on hunks of shit. Right. So, I have a I great mean, relation if, with my comics book store. He'll let me stand there and read them. So it's it's a good thing. It's not, hey, kid, get out of here. You're reading the books. Pay for them. Hippies? <laughs> well, I'm one of those. Yeah, that's me. Well, I mean, I, I, I can understand that for people who aren't allowed to read comics in stores. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I but, yeah, at $4 a book or whatever, sure. And I mean, they're going to be, there's seven separate comics that each have what like six or seven it's i think it's, it's four or six i think are the runs i think on yeah each one. so i mean in the end that's still gonna wind up to be pricey yeah um if you aren't sure about picking that up mm-hmm. um so scott stamper he actually said um let me see oh this one he kind of was just talking about which ones he was excited for he said i'm really interested in checking out the minuteman and the silk specter minis because it's the darwin, darwin cook, cook. Mm-hmm. and you can really do the most with the minuteman stories um, he said, I probably won't touch any of the others because I don't need to know any more about them. Um, Marcy Pampandrea, who uh, runs the super podcast, uh, <laughs> she posted on her Facebook and said, can you just quote me on saying that before Watchmen can go straight to hell? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, again, a little, a little fierce, a little fierce, yeah. Marcy. <laughs> People but, uh, love the Watchmen. They do. They and do. That's, that's understandable. <laughs> and that's yeah, it's completely understandable. It's nice to see people so passionate about something. Um, oh yeah, because you yeah. never see people passionate about things on the internet ever. You know what? <laughs> ever, Shh. ever frosting on cupcakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's nice to see people like so. Okay, never mind. I'm just trying to put a positive spin on it. They're okay? remaking the Shaggy God. Dog. These people are raping my childhood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, How dare they remake Herbie? Yeah. Lindsay Lohan, what? Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's another story altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. The talent on uh, Before Watchmen is incredible, and I'd read anything they do. I trust them to craft worthy prequels to a masterpiece. And mm-hmm. that's by Patrick, who is Pat JG on Twitter. Oh. And I think that's how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the prevailing opinion right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, well, uh, see, yeah. I just look at it as I've, having been through lots of comics mm-hmm. and lots of hands on lots of stories, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Okay, some guy does a bad year. The year after that, it's somebody better. Right. And yeah, ju- yeah, yeah. just take it from that and say, let's read the books mm-hmm. 
and see ahead, uh, mm-hmm. see then. Uh, let's not prejudge. We want to prejudge. It's a great piece of work, and this could end up being. Remember the the uh, commissioned the Margaret Mitchell estate commissioned a sequel to Gone with the Wind, mm-hmm. and someone commissioned a sequel to Casablanca. Right. Those are mistakes. Mm-hmm. Telling the stories before where there's got to be an end. Now this could be the Star Wars prequels. Right. Except I I don't except for the Ozymandias story. I don't really. Ozymandias, whatever. I, yeah. I don't see that same correlation just because it doesn't really lead directly. Like the events of Watchmen are so kind of, they start out so disconnected and then come together. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that except for certain events, like the stuff of the Rorschach, I don't know, see how that's going to be like, I know exactly what's going to happen. And that's ex- actually the Rorschach Night Owl stuff. I'm excited to see like their the team, interaction. Yeah. You know, when they used to be a team. But anyway, uh, keep going with the interactions, Stephanie. Um, that actually, people. I, I asked some people. We got into discussing it, and I asked them what comics are they most excited for um, from the series. And so, Ace of Spade said Doctor Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm too excited to see that. You see a lot of his story. You do in yes. the actual Watchmen. Like you see mm-hmm. pretty well everything up until he becomes. When he becomes whatever, anyways. Right. You well, know we what see I mean. his, his his human form and the, right. the, the dating, all the the emotional core of that. Yeah. Right. Do I need more of that? We don't really see anything with any of them though in like the heyday of their superhero team. We only really mm-hmm. see the bad stuff, right? You, you know, so, so that's I want to see the forties Minutemen. Right, the forties yeah. Minutemen. You don't, you, but you also don't see like when that group was together, when Night Owl and Rorschach and Doctor mm-hmm. Manhattan were together, and they weren't like wanting to kill each other or you know. You know, doing whatever and whatever. So I think that might be an interesting yes. thing to see. But um, another person was excited for Doctor Manhattan as well. Uh, his name, her, her name, someone's name, Ash Day, um, <laughs> and he said he, she, Ash Ketchup twenty nine said uh, Adam Hughes on the book is the main reason I'll be buying Doctor Manhattan. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski is excellent too and should be a good read. I hope. Me too. Mm-hmm. I hope so too. <laughs> Um, and then the last one we got, as far as uh, the comics that we are most excited for, or you are most excited mm-hmm. for, was from Timothy Burke, who said, I was also, also, no, not also, always, I was always partial towards Night Owl. I dug his outfit and his ship, and he was nerdy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's win-win, and uh, that's the final word from you guys on which ones you are most excited for. Mm-hmm. What would be your pick, Stephanie, if you're... One of the bunch. Um, there's a few that I'm really interested in checking out, but I think the one that captures me as far, like, I'm interested about the Minutemen, and then I really like who the team behind um the Doctor Manhattan one though. I like J. Michael Straczynski, mm-hmm. and I like Adam Hughes, and mm-hmm. that package really is calling to me. Mm-hmm. It's it's calling to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, How about I, you guys? To me, I think it's the two Darwin cookbooks, you know, Minutemen and Silk Spectre, just because what he did with New Frontier. Mm-hmm. And the Cuberts on Night Owl intrigues yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, Night Owl, to me, is interesting, too, even separate from the Rorschach thing, because I, I like to see Dan being a cool superhero, you know, being like that kind of Batman-ish character, mm-hmm. you know, because we don't really get much of that either. You know, we get his kind of, 
you know, frumpy, disheveled, not confident yeah, Dan I'm, and Watchmen. I'm retired now. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, and I think that w- that would be cool. You know, um, and Rush. I, I just love Rorschach as a character, so I'm excited to see that book. That's a book I'm also most worried about just because Rorschach is such a definable voice. He's the voice of Watchmen, basically, mm-hmm. and so that's a very difficult character to, to take on. Um, the Minutemen is also very intriguing to me, mainly because we don't know that much about them. You know, we see them, but we don't. We kind of get them in kind of broad strokes in Watchmen. We don't get them in in like their everyday mm-hmm. life, except for the comedian. Really, is the only one we really get, and the first Silk Spectre. So I'm interested to see that very much. Um, it, the Silk Spectre book looks like it's going to be the second Silk Spectre. So I'm not particularly excited about that because okay. she's one of my least favorite characters in Watchmen. So we'll see how I get the first one in Minutemen. That's what it looks like to me anyway. I don't okay. know why they would do unless it's a dual story but um, that's what I, what I take away from it. And Dr. Manhattan like you guys said I just I feel like I know that story more than just about anybody else's story so it's not it's I feel like there's less discovery to happen there sure. but I mean if you're going to do a Watchmen prequel you have to do Dr. Manhattan but it's just something I'm, I'm most pumped for. Well, the cover almost leads me to believe that it might be Dr. Manhattan and uh, Lor- Lori. Well, that was her name? Yeah, Lori. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes. uh, it almost looks like it might be their relationship and maybe oh. the good aspect of it as opposed to mm-hmm. the oh, yeah, there very we go. Looking at the cover as we speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm wondering if maybe it touches on that as opposed to Dr. Manhattan alone just from looking at the cover. But right. again, that's sort of speculation and I don't know. I mean, if it's that, I think I would be less interested in it because mm-hmm. I don't really care. Right. But uh, we'll see. I mean, Ozzy Man- Mandias, I'm, ex- I'm interested to see that stuff because I think that character is the least explored but obviously has mm-hmm. the most going on underneath yeah, character in Watchmen. Sure. Yeah. And... The, looking at the cover of the Silk Spectre, it looks like it's going to deal with both because it's Lori, but inside of like her shape is her mother. So nice. maybe that's going to deal with both of them. Um, and I'm also excited about the backups. I'm excited about the, the Crimson Corsair yeah. uh, because I think that the Curse of Black Fighter is, is amazing in, in Watchmen. So I'm excited to see that. Um, Semi, do you have anything else you want to say? I know we have a question to kind of wrap up our discussion here. Ah. Yeah. Um, but, but before Kayla, we get to that, oh, before sorry, we get to that do, do you, you have, have any? Something. Do you have anything you want to say that you haven't got to say? Because I know that Bob and I kind of go off. And I don't, oh, no, no. It's okay. okay. I mean, I, I, it's one of those things. Like, I'm still pretty neutral on the thing. I was angry at first. I'm more accepting now. Mm-hmm. Um, I I still don't know about the quality of how it's all going to turn out. But right. I'm I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. And I really hope that i mean we're in a really sort of i think on the fence of whether comics are going to continue you know in this world where everything's increasingly getting digital more and more digital and i think things like this and dc taking risks um i mean these are the moments and the days that are going to define the rest of the comic book industry Mm. and i mean i'm interested to see where they take this because it's a really big risk i think Mm. Um, so we can see by the response we've had, it's mostly angry. Yeah. And yeah. I, I agree with you. I started really mad about this mm-hmm. until I realized what my own position was vis-a-vis other books. Right. No, I can't be that hypocritical and say, well, I liked when somebody else did it, but not because this is Alan Moore. Right. I understand his position. I want to see what these books are like. And I agree with you, Stephanie. It is a big risk to take on a spectacularly lauded property. Mm-hmm. They're going for it. I mean, DC took a big risk 
there's lots of anger out of the New 52 as mm-hmm. well. And last month, the top 10 books, selling books, were all DC books. There was not one Marvel yeah. book in the top 10. So Poor DC. The logo, the DC 52, yeah. Watchmen. Yeah. All things are probably going to help them. And all things yes. that their fans claim to hate. No such so, thing as bad publicity. Yeah, so anyway. So that last, let's wrap it up with this question we got um, from Facebook, right? Yep. Um, so Caleb, I'm, I'm, oh God, the names. Uh, Versier, 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 oh God. There had to be one, right? There had to be at least one name I couldn't pronounce. Um, he <laughs> asks, do you think Before Watchmen is doomed to fail even if it's good because before it's released, all these people are so violently against it? Um, that's wow. a good, really good question. That's a really good question. My answer is no, because what has been proven time and time again, no matter how angry a fanboy is about something, they are going to buy it. They're going to go see it. They're going to spend their money on it. So it's going to succeed. Whether or not it will be a creative success or not, that's a different story. But I think financially, it will be a success. People yeah, I do. Definitely agree. Yeah, people are going to buy the thing. Uh, I have the funny feeling that critically it's going to be lambasted right away. Mm-hmm. And then once the books are out, two or three issues in, that's a really good story. You're going to see people who boycotted issue ones, mm-hmm. two, going backwards. And as you were saying before, Stephanie, buying the trades mm-hmm. and coming back to it. And, and, oh, that was a mistake. I should have been buying that. That was a really good story. Right. Well, Stephanie, what um, do you think? I think some of the stories will obviously stand out a lot more. I think out of all of these, there's got to be one that's going to be at least, there's going to be at least one dud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, oh, I had a thought and it totally went away and it was so good. Oh. <laughs> like My biggest fear about them is not that they're going to be horrible. My biggest fear about them is that they're, they're going to be blah. Mediocre. You know, That's well, my biggest fear with them over everything. They're not doomed to fail because I have a feeling they're going to sell out no matter what. Mm -hmm. And they're going to either sell out because people are genuinely interested in reading about them because they love the characters, they love the lore, they love Watchmen. Um, But the other, they're still going to sell out even if those people don't buy them because people who hate that this is happening are going to buy them just so they can read them and then bitch. Mm -hmm. It's it's win-win for DC because... People are going to buy them to burn them. People are going to buy them to love them. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it'll be interesting what the the reorders are because they're going to certainly end up going mm. to second printings on these. Yeah. And then what is the formula? Are we, as usual, if the first issue sells 10, the second one sells 7, then we're down to 4? Mm. Or are people going to pre-order this straight through? And I also think that, like we said about the trades thing, I think it's going to be huge in trades. Mm-hmm. Because I mm-hmm. think... It, People still go into Barnes and Noble and whatever to buy the Watchmen graphic novel. And if there's Watchmen right next to it, there's before Watchmen. People are like, oh, I might as well pick this up too. Yeah, you know, it'll be a big thing at Christmas and stuff. Like yeah. for people who have one, like I want Watchmen for Christmas, and mm-hmm. it'll be like a big upselling point for people at bookstores. Yeah, yeah. the before Watchmen omnibus where they yeah. collect all of them in one giant volume. I mean, I think no matter how you feel about it, it's going to be a success financially, at least to begin with. Um, if they're bad, that will damage DC's cred to a certain extent, but not for very long. I mean, this is, we live in a very short memory society at this point. Things go by very quickly. you know. And, and they're I, limited series. Like yeah. It's not like they're planning to be ongoing or mm-hmm. anything. So, I mean, it might be a blip in uh, for 2012 for DC, but then... 
they're going to have new stuff coming out. And mm-hmm. this is a really big year for comics, I think. And mm-hmm. everyone's just going to forget about this sooner or later mm-hmm. if it's a flop. Yeah. Unless they do after Watchmen. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> There's not as characters to use if they do yeah. after Watchmen. Um, the yeah. cockroach from the crater. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Explosion. Um, this is never compromise. Not even in the face of Armageddon. <laughs> Um, which is a line that a lot of Watchmen fans gave me when I told them about like, oh, you know, it's okay, it's fine. They're just doing that. like they gave me the Rorschach line about no compromise. Yeah, yeah I got that a couple times too when yeah. I was talking. To yeah, people. I'm like, okay, fictional character who was kind of a Nazi. So let's be fair. All right, um, was my favorite characters ever, but still. So um, that's what we think about before Watchmen. Um, again, we've already had a lot of discussion with you guys. If you have anything else you want to say, um, if you agree with us, if you don't agree with us, if you have questions you want us to answer, if you have, you know you know, hypothetical situations you want us to talk about, um, info at talkingcomicbooks.com or hit us up on Twitter at at talkingcomics or, you know, go to the site and comment on the uh, the story on the site. Um, you can actually sign up for the site now with your Twitter or Facebook name. Um, so it makes it really easy. Um, uh, we'd love to hear from you guys because uh, that really makes this thing go around. But I want to thank you, Bob, and you, Stephanie, for this discussion because I think it went really well. Um, thank you. So before we get out of here, though, we need to talk about what's coming out today. Uh-huh. What's on the comic shelves right now? So let's go through this a little bit here. Um, oh, before we do that, sorry, before we do that, before oh. we do that, we have an email. Oh, um, oh I want to read yes, it. Yes, yes. Read it very quickly. Um, it's from Samuel Moon, who has written before, and he also writes into another show, Doctor Who Cast. And he's a he's a great guy. So here we go. He has something to say about just everything we said today on the show. Um, he says, howdy comic crew. So DC announced before Watchmen last week and the internet broke. (laughs) First of all, I swear I heard about this project months ago. Also when DC introduced their new logo, there was a Watchmen version. Anyways, I'm excited. Watchmen is one of the best graphic novels ever, but by making these prequels, not only make the original, it will not make the original go away. DC has some great creators working on the titles and that's cool with me. Um, under uh, the Avengers trailer, the new Avengers trailer is amazing. If you have not seen the extended version with more Hulk action, check it out ASAP. The Amazing Spider-Man trailer was pretty cool too. I have not been too excited for the new movie, but the trailer changed my mind. I think Andrew Garfield will be a great Peter Parker, and I'm excited to see what comes next. Samuel Moon. So thank you for that very positive yes. email, Samuel Moon. Again, that email address is info at talkingcomicbooks. Dot com. All right, so here we go. Today's releases um, from Boom Studios. We have Adventure Time. Adventure Time. Boom. Number one, we have Elric, The Balance Lost. Number eight. Has we, to be said that way. Mm-hmm. We have Peanuts, number two of four. It's probably not only the second Peanuts <laughs> yeah. comic, but let's be fair. Um, uh, it's from, a miniseries. They fight Deadpool. <laughs> from uh, Dark Horse, we have Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season nine, number six. We have Conan the Barbarian, number one. We have Dark Matter, number two, which was Stephanie's book of the week a couple weeks ago. Yes, yes. I'll want to check that out for sure. Probably actually a month ago, since it's the next oh, month yeah, of the comic. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, you never know with me. I pick willy-nilly titles. It's true. It's true. Um, Star Wars, Agent of the Empire, Iron Eclipse, number three. Um, Star Wars, Crimson Empire, number three. Empire oh, Lost, sheesh. number four. Star Wars, Knights <laughs> of the Republic, War, number two. Um, and the strain number three, which is a um, Guillermo del Toro book. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Um, from DC, we have all new Batman, the Brave and the Bold, number 16, which is the final issue. 
We have Batgirl number six, Yay. which is a book that Bob yeah. absolutely loves, and it's a very good book. Batman and Robin number six, which I've been catching up on since Scott Snyder talked mm-hmm. about in the show a couple weeks ago, and it is very good. Um, Batwoman number six, which Steve obviously loves. Uh, Deathstroke, which he hates. Uh, <laughs> Demon Knights, which I think is very good. And Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, which is very good. Um, Green Lantern number six, which is the star of a new arc. Obviously, if you listen to the show, I haven't been very into it, yeah. but you know, we'll see what happens. Um, Grifter number six. Huntress, number five of six, which Bob, you started uh, reading. Just started reading. Absolutely love it. Um, Legion Lost, number six. Mr. Terrific, number six. Peng- Penguin, Pain and Prejudice, number five of five, which is the last in that series, obviously. Resurrection Man, number six. Suicide, suicide, suicide Squad, number six. Superboy, number six. And Unwritten, number 34. Sorry. Sorry. Um, from Dynamite, we have Garth Innes, Ninjets, number one. <laughs> <laughs> I just from the title I yeah. don't want to read that <laughs> um, Kevin Smith's The Bionic Man number six Kirby Genesis Silver Star number Blah, three <laughs> gosh Living Corpse Exhumed number six of six Red Sonia number 63 Warlords of Mars number 15 and Zoro Rides Again number eight He's just always riding. It is somewhere. Long time he's been riding. Um, Doctor Who Classics Series 4, number one, from ID, this is IDW, sorry. Dungeons and Dragons, number 15. John Burns, Next Man Aftermath, Yay. number 40. Bob is excited. I'm Memorial, excited. number three. Snake Eyes, number 10. And Torpedo, volume four, hardcover. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, volume one, change is constant. Trade paperback. That's back where the original creative team is, is writing that right now. Wow. So, yeah. Um, Image Comics, we have Artifacts, number 14. We have Blue Estate, number 9. We have Haunt, number 21. We have The Last of the Greats, number 5. Severed, number 7 of 7, which is Scott Snyder's book. Um, Spawn, number 216. And Thief of Thieves, number 1. Does Todd McFarlane have anything to do with Spawn at this point except his name's on it? I don't even know. Okay. I honestly don't know. Um, and we don't care. I haven't cared about Spawn since I was 13. (laughs) So, let's be fair. Um, So, from Marvel, we have Battle Scars, number four of six. We have the final issue of Black Panther, The Most Dangerous Man Alive. That's number 529. That's a long run. Be the last issue. Well, considering it wasn't his book. Right. (laughs) Daredevil, right? Right, yeah. Uh, Captain America, number eight. Yes, of course. Carnage USA, number three of five. Doc and Dark Wolverine, number 21. Um, Deadpool number 50 um, let's see these are all hardcovers 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 Incredible Hulk number 5 Journey into Mystery number 634 um, we have New Mutants number 37 North Hanger Abbey number 4 huh it's based on a Jane Austen novel apparently <laughs> uh, Powers number 8 which is a Byron Michael Bendis book which mm-hmm. is been hasn't come out in a really long time and it's interesting that's coming out right now um, Punisher Max number 22 that's the final issue we have Scarlet Spider number 2 Secret Avengers, number 22, Rick Remender. Nice. Um, taking over for that one. Um, Superheroes, number 23, Marvel Avengers, which I think is probably in the kids' books. It's all age books. book, yeah. Yeah. Um, Venom, th- number 13.1, which I don't... It's interesting because number 13 was a pretty good jumping out point in itself. So this is even a better one. That's a good book to pick up because I really enjoyed Venom, number 13. Um, Wolverine and the X-Men, number 5. And X-Men number 24. That's not the, only the 24th X-Men. No. Let's be fair. You're just, you're just cheating right now. Um, and that is it for the big releases for this week. Um, 
Oh, also, I saw Chronicle this weekend. It was awesome. So if, if you guys haven't seen it yet and you like superhero movies, mm-hmm. go f- see it because it's amazing. Tomorrow's I plan. I need to check that out. Yes, you do, Stephanie. Get and, on it. And considering who the, the writer is. Yeah, Max yes, Landis. Max Landis, yes. Yeah. Who we now love. Yes. Yes. Um, great movie. Great, great, great movie. And check out that video, The Death and Return of Superman, on TalkingComicBooks.com. Um, we also have uh, previews of Age of the Apocalypse number one and The Ultimates... Uh, number seven up there as well um you should check that out definitely and the amazing spider-man trailer is up there and so is the avengers extended spot so all the stuff we talked about tonight and a little bit more is on the site right now um that's talkingcomicbooks.com you can email us at info at talkingcomicbooks.com uh the twitter is at talking comics and our facebook is facebook.com backslash talking comics where um Go, Stephanie. Oh. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, we're trying to be on the Facebook a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if you follow us on Facebook, you'll be able to get the articles pretty well right away as they get posted. But we've also started a caption this get- photo mm. thing. Yeah. Where we post up a photo, we take out all of the words, and you come up with the caption for the picture. And we've oh, had... Boy like several really awesome and hilarious ones. There's been a couple lost references and all kinds of things worked into these captions for these pictures. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's been very entertaining for me to go on Facebook and read those captions. So they've, yeah, I've definitely been drinking water as I read them. And then it's kind of like a spit take. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I got it all over my computer. And, uh, you mm-hmm. have to like us, I think to comment on the pictures. Mm-hmm. So make sure you go visit us and do that because we like to be amused by your cleverness. We do. <laughs> and we're really desperate for your Facebook attention. So, that too. <laughs> yeah. So over there. Um, again, like I said, you can sign for the site with your Facebook or Twitter. It's, it's right there on the, on the sidebar of the site. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes. If you use iTunes to download podcasts, subscribe to Talking Comics. Um, that way it just downloads to your computer as much as you want. I know that if you use an iPhone or an iPad to listen to your podcasts, you really can't subscribe because you just download them individually. But if you do that and you use iTunes for it, um, please uh, review the, the the podcast, rate us and review us. It really, really helps um, people looking for random podcasts to, to to pick a podcast. They see something with reviews, they're more likely to listen to it. And more people listen, the more guests we can bring you guys like like we've been doing. Um, we have, we're lining up some pretty cool guests right now for you guys, so I'm really excited to bring that to you in, in the near future. And um, did I forget anything about how to get in touch with us? I don't think so. I think I did it pretty well. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. No, carrier pigeons, you may have forgotten. Yeah, well, we don't that. we don't take snail mail. Okay. Or pigeon mail, as it, as it, <laughs> as it would be, Bob. Um, so uh, that's it then for Talking Comics uh, for this week. For Bob. Good evening again. And Stephanie. Goodbye. I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Goodbye.